Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I'm Gil Halstead. I am a former member of the Wisconsin Education Association Council and the United Faculty and Staff. This is a special Pledge Week edition of Labor Radio. Your support helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible. Hi, I'm Gigi Todd, a member of the National Association of Letter Carriers, Branch 507. This week, we take a look at the most recent Center for Wisconsin Strategy Report. Hear a report on labor's involvement in last week's Reproductive Rights March, check in workers at Noodles in Madison, share our statistic of the week, and much more. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WART. WORT and Labor Radio. Hey Carol, I hear there's power in a union. Uh, yeah, there are. Uh, there is. <laughs> hey, we're having a pledge drive this week, and we're asking your support. We have a number of premiums, but what's really important is that we want to hear from you. Our goal is a five pledges during our show. More is better. Um, did you know that it costs $92 an hour to broadcast on WORT, and we are broadcasting seven days a week, 24 hours a day? And No, I didn't know that. You didn't? No. Oh, you're, you're such a... Uh, yes, uh, understated person. Uh, anyway, um, 90, 75% of our income comes from individuals like you. And I want to tell you about this fabulous premium we have uh, by Frank Emspack. It's called... You Trub- mean Labor Radio producer Frank Emspack? Labor Radio founder and producer, yes. And he was a bit of a troublemaker. And this book is called Troublemaker, Saying No to Power. And that will be available to a random selection of a p- people who pledge during this hour. Um, so thank you for thinking about that. And uh, what else can I say? There's a bunch of other premiums if you're interested in. Uh, call in and um, Susan or Karen will be able to tell you about that. We've got a, a lovely um, uh, Navy skull, glow-in-the-dark Navy skull. Uh, we have a um, single ticket to... That, fa- that's a hat, by the way. We're that not giving a, you a skull. Uh, yeah. oh, it's a skull-shaped oh, hat. I, I, I missed something. It's a hat with has a glow-in-the-dark skull that's on it. It says right, W-O-R-T. It yeah. I want to see that. Not enough. Well, anyway. I believe Um, there's one floating around the station. I bet we can get it to show it to you. Yeah, and we could take it into a closet and see if it really does glow in the dark. Um, Oh, I saw it last night or night before. They turned off the lights, and sure enough, it it glowed. Oh, wow. And it radiates Not not quite enough to read by. And it radiates your brain. That's right. 256-2001 is the number to call or go to wortfm.org and click on Donate. All right, 256-2001. You can also pledge safely and securely on the intertubes at wrtfm.org. Nobody has pledged yet on the Internet during this program either. 256-2001. Oh, we have a bell to ring. Well, we did have an early pledge from Sandy Park. Oops. Um, yeah, I could say her full name. Yeah. Anyway, Sandy Thank Park. Thank you, Sandy, for and your generous pledge. Yes, and she wants uh, the Progressive Magazine subscription, gosh darn it. Uh, so, and her favorite th- shows in- are Labor Radio, Labor, Labor Radio, and The Kiosk. 
All right, well, thank you, Sandy. You can join Sandy by calling 256-2001. Ellen Laluzern spoke to labor economist Laura Dresser about the state of working Wisconsin and how labor shortages expand opportunities for higher wages. Can you give us a brief overview of the status of working Wisconsin? What we have right now is very tight labor markets, low unemployment rates. We have a lot of people working, more people than were working before the pandemic. And so you see employers complaining about the labor market. But I think what you see workers doing is realizing that they have opportunity. And it's not that people have left. It's that they're finding better jobs. And you can see this in the individual way. People are quitting their job and taking another job. Or they're staying in their current job and they're saying, I need better shifts more ability to go deal with my family needs. They can demand more because their exit threat is more credible. How has this affected wages? Wages are up more than $1.50 an hour since 2019. And that's stronger wage growth than we've seen since the late 1990s. Workers are in individual ways. They're asking more for work. But we also can see that in collective ways. There's more filing and winning in NLRB elections in the first half of 2022 than for, I think, two decades. Are you seeing any decreases in wage disparity? We've long documented in the state of working Wisconsin, and others have documented, obviously, the brutal racial disparity in the state, the significant gender-based disparities, high turnover, and the wage pressures have been strongest at the bottom of the labor market. So tight labor markets, they tend to be equalizing because it is the workers at the bottom of the labor market that are kind of leveraging and using that opportunity. And so we've seen the best wage increases in leisure and hospitality. But whenever you see the bottom of the labor market coming up to the middle, that does close the gaps because it is women and people of color that disproportionately hold the jobs. But 2018 to current shows some closing, especially relative to white men. And then what's happened over the last four decades is a kind of advance for white women and slower growth of white men's wage and declines of men of color. And so we've moved from a gender disparity to a very clear racial hierarchy. On another note, have you seen a change in attitudes towards unionization? It becomes easier to organize your unit when you can point to the newspaper where we have four Starbucks in the state of Wisconsin that four election wins for Starbucks employees, but Colectivo coffee shop unionization process that actually really preceded all of the Starbucks work and finally is now moving to bargaining because of delay strategies by management. What workers said is when we have to explain the union to someone, they have a way of thinking about it now. The private sector unionization rate is around 7%. So there's a lot of people who have no experience of unions. And so to start organizing, really, it helps to have cultural touch points. How long do you think this trend will continue? The Federal Reserve is actually, by being focused on it, inflation is focused on cooling down the economy, which is the same as saying raising unemployment rates. That's the current federal policy. At some point, we will see this economy cool and workers will lose. But I think it's also important to see that it is that organizing, that infrastructure of solidarity, that belief that work should pay more. I think in some ways, this is especially true. People think about why have we seen so much organizing in these low-wage labor markets because we had the audacity to call this essential work. During a global pandemic, the sense of what is my worth 
that can be more lasting. The infrastructure of contracts or bargaining can make some of these things last beyond this cyclical moment. To see workers realizing they have more power in this moment and taking advantage of that is exciting, but it does not solve these deep restructurings that have elevated employer power over worker power and thinking about how we institutionalize more of this, how we move from such support in the popular mind for unions to actual wins on the ground to actual change in work. That was Laura Dresser, Associate Director for the Center on Wisconsin Strategy, or COWS. I'm Ellen LaLazerne for Labor Radio. And we're back, and I believe we have someone to thank. We have two someones. Two someones to thank. Uh, David Poklinkowski, uh, he, uh, let's see, what did he say? Oh, his favorite th- three radio shows, favorite shows are Labor Radio, of course, all news shows, and did, he loves the diversity of music. Uh, Harry, Harry has contributed. Uh, thank you very much, Harry. And his favorite shows are Public Affair, Thursdays and Fridays, Wart Local News, and Labor Radio. Um, I just want to tell you a little bit about the probably the most painless way to give, and that would be a monthly donation. We call that an evergreen donation. And if you choose to do that, we'll send you the forum and take care of that. Um, and you can just uh, give us the amount you want to you know, have sucked out of your bank account every month. All right, two five six two zero zero one. Our phone answers will be happy to uh, walk you through how to do that as well. Uh, someone else to thank. You should ring that bell one more time. I'd like to thank Matt, who gave a generous pledge. Matt's three favorite WRT shows are Labor Radio, Blues Cruise, and World View. So thank you, Matt, for your generous pledge. You can join, was it Matt, Harry, Sandy, and... David. And David, who all gave generous pledges. Uh, still hoping for five more of you to call between now and the top of the hour. 608-256-2001 is the number to call and pledge. Or you can pledge on the intertubes at wrtfm.org. Last week, workers walked out of the Noodles and Company on State and Johnson Streets near the Capitol, shutting it down. Greg Jaboski spoke to one of the workers there about the reasons behind the walkout. On Friday, a week ago today, people walking down State Street and toward the Capitol building, Madison's main shopping and restaurant drag, could see that the prominently placed Noodles & Company restaurant on State Street in Johnson was closed, with signs taped to the store's windows and doors indicating that it had been closed by striking workers. Noodles & Company is a Colorado-based national restaurant chain with operations in most states. WRT spoke to Spencer Neeson, a worker there and one of the organizers of the action, who explained why workers walked on Friday. It started Friday. We all just didn't go into work. We didn't even get it open for the day. And it happened because we all kind of realized our wages were just not fair. We heard that new workers were making about the same as workers that had been here for 10 years and our managers, which was true. New people were getting hired at $16. We have managers that have worked here for over a decade that are getting paid $16.83. So when we found that out, we just kind of realized that it was unacceptable. So I tried to talk to a bunch of coworkers separately about their wage and what was happening with it. And once I realized kind of what was happening to everyone. 
It was pretty spontaneous. One sign taped to the store's window last Friday declared, closed until fair wages, in bold letters. According to Neeson, the current low pay means that some Noodles & Company workers can't afford local rent and are currently unhoused. Another of the signs on the closed shop on Friday was a clear list of demands by the striking workers. These included demands for pay minimums, including an $18 starting wage, $23 for shift managers, $27 for assistant managers, and $1 raises for each additional year of employment. The workers' sign also demanded personal time off and sick time for workers who have been there for at least three months and no retaliation for workers exercising their rights. The timing of the work stoppage worked well, explained Neeson. Our general manager and our area manager were away. They were in Texas for like a summit, and we decided it was the perfect time to go on strike. And once you have that momentum, it's hard for them to try and get you back. Communication about the potential job action was established beforehand among the Noodles & Company store workers, said Neeson. It appears that some information was leaked to Noodles & Company management before the action, Neeson believes. But on Friday, the closing held. Neeson describes the company's response on Friday. They tried to call us, they tried to text us, but we kind of figured that it was a tactic to stop it before it started. Started, and they tried to call like other managers to open our store, but we were waiting outside and we just kind of said, like, please don't do that. And they didn't. So we have like a regional operating manager, and he flew out from Indiana to come to our store. We also have HR coming to talk to us now. So it was, it was a pretty quick response, um, but... Neeson gives this personal reason for organizing and taking this action. I, I just kind of decided that there were, there were a lot of people that I work with that deserve more than what they're getting, and they're the ones that like deserve more. So that's why. That's why I did it. That was Spencer Neeson, a worker at Noodles & Company on State Street in Madison, and one of the organizers of last week's walkout there, demanding fair wages and benefits. The restaurant was open for reduced hours on Saturday and Sunday. Someone at the State Street Noodles & Company on Tuesday told WORT that the store was open on that day and directed that any inquiries be emailed to the company's Colorado headquarters press office. We did not receive a response by broadcast time. A version of the story was broadcast Tuesday on the WORT 6 o'clock news. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. Hey, Greg, is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? This is Greg. You've heard me report stories on Labor Radio here on WORT. Labor Radio is just one of the many shows here on WORT-FM that brings news, commentary, and music you won't hear anywhere else. This is our main pledge drive, and I hope you can donate generously at WORTFM.org. That's www.wortfm.org. Or call 608-256-2001. Thank you and all of our listeners for your absolutely necessary support. So far, the nurses in Minnesota have not seen much progress in bargaining. Carol Wydell reports. The largest private sector strike of 15,000 Minnesota nurses ended a week ago, and the union stands ready to resume negotiations. Mary Turner, president of the union, addressed nurses as they returned to work after their three-day strike with no agreement. The support of the nurses for their contract, the support of the nurses for their patients, the support of the nurses for their community is overwhelming. Because we are out here, not only for our own contract, but for our very profession. And the reason I say that, thank you, the reason I say that 
is that we want something so simple in our contract as that our employers would have to convince 50% of our nurses that a staffing change on their floor would be okay. They don't want to agree to that. And I say, if you can't convince 50% of your nurses to a staffing change, then maybe you shouldn't make it. The Minnesota Nurses Association, or MNA, says that the hospital executives with million-dollar salaries can afford to make the changes necessary to protect care and working conditions at the bedside. At broadcast time, the MNA has no further update on negotiations. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. Hey, Carol, remember Ellen that reported on our show just a few minutes ago? Yes, yes. She's on the phone. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Ellen. Hi, everyone. I hope the show is going well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Doing pretty well. I think we have someone to thank, actually. Yes, we do. Ah. Keith Steffen has uh, made a generous donation, and uh, (laughs) he would like the subscription to the Progressive Magazine. Uh, His favorite shows are Labor Radio, Jazz Shows, and The Blues Shows. And um, I, I just want to give you a little hint about why why we're doing all this. Why the hell are we? Uh, why the heck are we doing this? Uh, because we need no new soundboards and new servers. If you ever this this soundboard here, it's getting, getting one, on twenty years old here. Right, and I, it's gotten I, to the point we can't replace the parts for it. And I see a lot of tape on it. Um, and there's a lot of cords strung across the room. Um, we're seventy five percent cords strung across the room. It's a radio station. <sighs> Yes, Joanne. Um, <laughs> we're seventy-five percent of our way of our way to the goal of eighty thousand dollars. That means we need twenty thousand more. That's See, right, I'm, twenty thousand. Yeah, let's twenty thousand. <laughs> so as soon as we reach twenty thousand, we'll 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 stop asking. Um, so yeah, that's that's really uh, I think. Oh, I forgot to ring the bell for Keith. Okay, oh, thanks, Keith. Thank you, Keith. Ellen and I. Yes. Hi again. Um, I just wanted to say that I also plan to pledge today because I want one of those fabulous WRT hats. But even more important is that we are really providing a lot of good information to people that you're not going to hear anywhere else or in the level of detail we're able to provide. It's almost like the hats and the uh, bumper stickers and the, the various thank you, fabulous prizes, I like to call them. They're all just extra bonuses on top of all of the fine programming, news, public affairs, music that you get 24 hours a day here on WORT. Almost like that. Uh, Yep, absolutely. And, you know, working and giving a voice to working people is one of the main uh, issues for our show. The main reason we do our show is giving that voice to workers, working people, and the labor movement in general. And there's so few places that actually do that. And well, so please support us in providing that voice. And we have one of our uh, volunteer contributors called in with a pledge and uh, does not want to thank you, Gift, but his three favorite shows are Labor Radio, Back to the Country, and pretty much any th- everything on Wart. Ooh, everything. <laughs> two five six yes, two zero zero one. Everything on Wart is fabulous. That's right. You can join those everyone who called. 
uh, by calling 256-2001. I actually have to, we have to see the area code now because that's oh. a thing. Oh, Everybody yeah. has to dial 10 oh, digits. Oh, I'm sorry. 608-256-2001. In case you didn't remember what area code we're in. I hear we're running out of 608s now and we're going to. They're going to add like a 353, huh. was it, or something like that? I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all very know. confusing. Maybe it was 535. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, but in the meantime, 608-256-2001. Um, and you'd like to announce the book again? Yes, we do have a special book just published uh, by our uh, creator, Frank Emspeck. Um, it's called it's Troublemaker. Not my creator. Well, Okay. Labor Radio's creator, Troublemaker, Saying No to Power, Frank Emspack. This is going to be made to a randomly chosen donor who pledges during this Labor Radio show. Except for those people who did not want a thank you gift. We will not give it to you. But for everybody else, you're for eligible. For everybody else, 256-2001 is the number, area code 608. And we're going to go back to the news. Postmaster General DeJoy is implementing a plan to consolidate letter carrier delivery units. The process of merging and closing mail processing facilities, retail units, and delivery installations began years before DeJoy. With little evidence that reducing the number of facilities actually reduces costs, the main effects appear to be reduced service by the Postal Service in more distant locations from customers and employees. The United States Postal Service under Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is planning to move many letter carrier delivery units out of local post offices and into large sorting and delivery centers. This process is already beginning in New Hampshire and Georgia and the USPS is targeting several other locations, none in Wisconsin at this time. In 2021, the Postal Service announced plans to reduce its service standards. In other words, it is slowing down the mail, primarily by reducing the use of airplanes to transport mail and using trucks instead. DeJoy is heavily invested in the trucking industry and ran a trucking company with large postal contracts prior to his appointment to the Office of Postmaster General. The Postal Service will save some on air transportation, but will likely lose money by losing customers to faster delivery services. Now, the USPS is planning massive consolidations which separate carrier units from retail units and place them in centralized locations. The result will be longer commuting distances for employees from home to work and from their delivery units to their routes. The increased driving is forecast to increase the number of delivery routes by up to 10,000. In addition, customers will have to drive further to pick up parcels and other items that carriers weren't able to deliver without a signature. Some local post offices will lose part of their function when they lose their carrier units. According to Steve Hutkins of Save the Post Office, writing in August of this year, quote, When a post office loses its carriers, it also loses one of its main reasons for being there. The Postal Service uses the excess space in the back of the building to justify various modes of downsizing and dismantling, reduced operating hours, relocations to smaller spaces in shopping centers, conversions to contract offices, suspensions over lease issues, property disposals, and of course, closures. We saw all this in 2011 to 2015 when the Postal Service did a delivery unit optimization initiative that relocated carriers from about 2,700 post offices. 
The OIG did not find much in the way of cost savings, and the Postal Service has never made a post-implementation audit available to the public, if it ever even did one, unquote. DeJoy is implementing this plan without review by the Postal Regulatory Commission or the Office of the Inspector General. The plan continues the trend of merging mail processing units and closing smaller local retail units, particularly in rural areas and urban locations. That trend began long before DeJoy took office. I'm Keith Steffen reporting for Labor Radio. There was a march in Madison for reproductive rights and organized labor was among those represented. Greg Javosky reports. Last Sunday afternoon, September 18th, about 50 people rallied at Library Mall demanding abortion rights and reproductive health care in the wake of the Supreme Court's June 24th decision to reverse Roe v. Wade. The group then marched down State Street to the Capitol, where they rallied again, and then returned to Library Mall with a march that went past Fraternity Row on Langdon Street. Organized labor was there, with a prominent banner reading, Labor for Abortion Rights. A chief organizer of the rally in March was the Madison Abortion and Reproductive Rights Coalition for Healthcare, or March. That's M-A-R-R-C-H. Labor Radio spoke to Amadi Ozier, a University of Wisconsin professor and one of the founders of March, about the organizing behind Sunday's action. The inciting incident for sure was the reversal of Roe v. Wade. And so after that decision was overturned, there was a lot of taking to the streets of people spontaneously ad hoc going to the Capitol and finding each other. People were going to the Capitol to express their anger, express their sadness, express their grief. And March came out of that. Ozier, also a new Madison resident, says that all who wish to work for reproductive freedom in the Madison area are encouraged to join in future events. It's also been really nice to build momentum and get people to come and join us over the course of the march, over the course of the demonstration. That's been great. We actually have meetings every Thursday if people want to help plan actions like rallies and speak outs and marches like we did today. And we're also uh, trying to get a student group started on the university campus at UW-Madison. So there are a lot of different ways to plug in. That was Amadi Ozier, a University of Wisconsin professor and one of the founders of Madison Abortion and Reproductive Rights Coalition for Healthcare, or MARCH. Tomorrow, Saturday, September 24th, MARCH and other organizations are holding a peaceful rally and counter-protest for abortion rights in response to a possible Wisconsin March for Life rally. MARCH is asking reproductive rights supporters to gather at the State Street corner of the Capitol building at 1 p.m. for a peaceful rally and counter-protest. MARCH also has a regular weekly meeting on Thursday at the UW Memorial Union, and all who are willing to help are invited. For information on any of this or to get involved, go to the March Facebook page by searching for M-A-R-R-C-H with two R's. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. And we are back just for a moment here at the end of the program. Uh, we have one more person to thank. Hey, Ellen, guess who we have to thank? Me? Someone who pledged online. 
That was probably me. <laughs> that was probably you. Thank you, Ellen, for your generous pledge. Uh, we'd like and to thank Ellen. Ellen likes Labor Radio Blues Cruise in her turn. <laughs> and I certainly hope that other people follow my lead and call WRT at 608-256-2001 or go to WRTFM and donate online just like I did. It's very easy to do. That's right. Still hoping for a couple more people to pledge. We only have a few seconds. Uh, thanks to everyone who has pledged on the program today. Uh, I believe we have one more chance next week. Um, uh, yes, for yes. This, uh, uh, if you missed your chance to pledge today, but you still can, two five six two zero zero one. And think about being an evergreen donor. You know, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty five, fifty a week. We'd love to have it. That's right, and that uh, pretty much does it for our program here. Uh, thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Joanne Powers. Thanks to Gigi Todd and Gil Halstead, who were our readers this evening. Also, thanks to editors Frank Emsbach and Ellen Luzerne, assistant Robin G., reporters Mike Bernhard, Greg Gaboski, Sean Hagerup, Anna Ham, Scott McCullough, Janine Ramsey, Carol Weidel, I've heard of most of these people, and damage control specialist <laughs> Joanne Powers. Special thanks to Keith Steffen, our reader coordinator, and to all of our readers and our members of the members of IBEW Local 2304, the WRT Staff Collective. Read the bottom part. And I'm Carol Weidel. We'd like to thank all of our generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts and the Professor Bill Clark. Thank you. 256-2001. You still have time to pledge. One night in